Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. January 24th, it is our Royal Rumble preview show, but Mike, I tweeted out a few minutes ago, I don't think there's any other show in the world where you're going to get some NFL talk, a little Super Bowl discussion, you're going to get a Royal Rumble preview, and we're going to talk a little bit of horse racing and uh, some Pegasus thoughts for a big weekend at Gulfstream Park, all in an hour, that's uh, that's quite a variety we've got coming up on this week's episode of the Mike Abadir Show. And I'll try to give a little play-by-play for the uh, red carpet at the uh, Eclipse Awards, which are actually uh, being shown right now live. Um, no highlights to to talk about so far, but if I see any kind of celeb dresses or what do they talk about on the ET? <laughs> the, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll try to give you all that reporting. But uh, no, it's, uh, you know, I think that's what makes this show fun. And the feedback that I get from the listeners is they love that variety. Um, you know, never get stuck into any one particular topic or sport or event, but we just kind of keep it rolling, man. And that's what makes us fun. And you know, what was uh, fun for some last weekend was uh, not so fun for others. So you've had uh, a few days now to digest everything, to kind of reflect. What are just still some of your overall thoughts about the NFL Conference Championship games last week? We saw two overtime games, tons of controversy with bad calls, uh, missed, you know, refer- missed penalties. What are just some of your overall thoughts? Well, first of all, sweet handicapping on your part for getting both winners. So um, prop- props to you on that. I know that you uh, were all over the New England Rams that. matchup. You got what you wanted, so congrats on that. Uh, my overall impressions are this. I mean, you know me pretty well in terms of how I look at these games and – I never get too fixated on every any one call, true. any one bounce of the ball. Um, I, I feel that good teams should overcome any one or two mistakes. And if you remember back at the beginning of the year, I kind of gave a list. don't have it in front of me, but I have it pretty much memorized. It's something along the lines of, in any game, you're allowed you know, four mistakes or less. Yeah, yeah. You, right? We've talked about that a lot. By right? that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, yeah. and within that comes that fluky call or no call, right? Yeah. So that's kind of within that. You're, you're supposed to be able to weather that storm. Now, interestingly enough, you had both games be so darn close that they went into overtime. And I think that's what makes it really tough Exa- to swallow it's, is it's that now any one happens, call, we right? could really cling on to it, right? We could exactly. cling on to any one call or no call and be like, gosh, darn it, it was so close. Because that would have, and honestly, and that's the thing, that was a bad call. And it would have, and if that call was made, then it very ninety five percent, ninety nine point nine percent ends the game for the Saints. Yeah, they, Saints win the game. If they they kneel the, the ball. They have oh, to. Yep. They have to just kick, which goes in. I mean, fluky things can happen. The kicker could fall. You know, just there, there's random stuff that could happen. But almost, almost a hundred percent chance of absolutely sealing the deal. Exactly. But, but the counterpoint but, to that is, look at all the things that happen leading up to it. Yeah, and you're right. things happen afterwards, and that's why anytime that you and I have conversations and it gets a little bit heated, you and you're defending your team and I'm that. defending my you're, team, you are. I'm always like, "Look, dude, 
yeah, there was this one bad call or there was this fumble or whatever, but there was 59 minutes and 30 other seconds of plays going on. And I could come back and tell you this. The Saints had zero excuse at home to lose that game. And what I will tell you is that they they were thoroughly dominating the Rams. The Rams were deer oh, yeah. headlights. And I had a bad feeling in my stomach. I said, you know what? They did not go for the kill. This should be minimum 17 nothing, if not 21 nothing. And when it was 13, it I'm like, felt like 30, you know? It but felt it was like only 30. 13. And but here's one other thing I'll tell you. And I talked to people, multiple people on the Saints teams in terms of players and a couple of guys in the personnel department. And they all said the same. They agreed with, with me when I said, if they defend that fake punt and the Rams the don't game. convert, that's, that's the game. game. You've that's taken game. all the steam. Now they use their 100%. final trick play. They were desperate, they had to convert. And by the way, a lot of people said they weren't prepared for it. I talked to someone right in the middle of that special teams unit who told me they were actually prepared. They just didn't execute. Yeah, it was just they, they still had to make a great throw and he had to make a guy miss. Yeah. That's all. And, that's yeah, all and the Rams did it. So, so props to them. Yeah. And, that, and I mean, that, that's all I could say about it is props to them. The Saints had no excuse to lose that game. Now, the going to the other was, game, yeah, that you know, was, a, lot people, a lot of people are blaming that. Before we get to that, that other game real quick, okay, sure, as yeah. we're still in this one, that was my only issue with what the, like, the little bit of the narrative after the game was just that. There were too many people acting like I think the Rams didn't deserve to win that game, which I, I kind of felt, man, you're down 13-0. Like, even after that bad call, the Rams had to get the ball back, drive, kick a field goal. Then the Saints get the ball again in overtime. They had the opportunity to do just what New England did, take the ball down, score a touchdown, win the game, and they throw a pick. So I'm not I'm, – the, the, obviously some calls, and this is going to be a game that forever will be remembered for that bad call – but I just didn't feel like this was a game that was given to the Rams. They still no. had to go and win this game. No, it wasn't. I think some of the commentary after the game kind of helped ignite it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. First of all, you had Peyton coming in saying that he got the call from the league headquarters, letting they them know that they watched the call. Like, okay, it, fine. Yeah. But then you even had the infracting DB Dang. who comes out and says, hey, I, I – I was beat, and I just went for the tackle, basically. Did you see the video he posted where he just looked like he was lit up? And he was, just, it was great. He was like, I waxed him. He said, I hit him like a Waffle House frying pan. So, was, you know what? That was a really smart play on his end. It was, no, because he said, I wanted to make sure that they weren't going to score a touchdown there and then lose. At least they still would have had to do what we said. They still sure. would have had to snap the ball a couple times, take a exactly. few knees, and then – kick a field goal. And, exactly. seen, and you see it a lot in the NBA, right? Just that yeah. a basket means a lot less, but you'll see a lot of times if it's, you know, they'll, they, rather than give them an easy basket, they'll go ahead and they kind of wrap it. their arms yeah. around it and, you know, that type of thing. And that's what he did. Yeah. And I mean, just a, a great back and forth, like entertaining game and one that will always be remembered because of, of what happened. But again, for the second year in a row, just a brutal way to exit your season. If you're the saints and I the know. saints backers with just, Oh, so bad. But yeah, yeah you were trying to get into the other game. So go ahead, take a. Yeah, your I was going to say the same thing. I mean, look, D Ford. Uh, you know, to me, lining up in the neutral zone, there's no excuse for that whatsoever. Whatsoever. But I'll tell you what. Some sometimes these guys get caught up in the gravity, the bigness, if that's a word, of the moment, and you line you up in the neutral step. zone. Oh, you're, yeah, you're like you're just getting that little extra, yeah, extra yeah. bit of and advantage. Good teams don't do that. You yeah. know, yeah, the interception would have would have counted and cemented the game and and kansas city would be in the super bowl right now 
would have been a lot more exciting for I think a majority of fans outside of the the New England states to to see a different team in there, which kind of sucks. Now we'll we'll get more to the, about the Super Bowl, especially next week. Yeah, and we'll be all Super Bowl and, next week. Oh, that all kind Super of stuff. Bowl, we'll have some fun. Yep. We'll talk. But you know, I was rooting for the Chiefs. I didn't want to see. Brady and the Patriots again. I mean, I uh, all I know now is that we have no choice but to kind of give all them all the praise in the world. Yeah. Although it will be interesting if they lose the game, you know, because then people start thinking about it and say, you know what? One ball handed the Marshawn Lynch and Brady is kind of more like closer to a 500 Super Bowl guy. What does that oh, yeah. really mean? I mean, you know what I mean? They kind of had things go their way with a comeback against the Falcons. In all, in all of the Patriots Super Bowls, the differential of all the games is a three-point differential. So they've been in some really, really close games throughout this whole crazy run. Props to them for being on top more times than not. But, you know, it's interesting how you, you define legacies and such thin margins between being a legend or or, or being what uh, Jim Kelly is. The o and, well, and, they defi- the Super and they define Bowl. you. I know they define you, your season, jobs, coaching yeah. staffs, everything moving forward. You know, how like another, you know, if, if the Patriots pull one off here, is this the perfect moment for, you know, Brady, Gronk to just say adios? Gronk is done. I think Brady comes back. I do, too. He just still seems like he's got that fire in him. But Gronk, uh, I think Gronk is done also. I would agree. And then I think we might be talking about uh, in the 2020 Royal Rumble, Rob Gronkowski. I know. Huh? <laughs> As one of the because uh, one of his good friends Mo- is, uh, is a wrestler named Mojo Raleigh. And Gronk got involved at WrestleMania a couple years back. And he got in and he took a swing and he went for a tackle. And so, yeah, he's, he's definitely someone who's got that larger than life personality and um, would be no surprise to see him end up in a WWE ring at some point. And but it would probably just, be a really good segue into the entertainment industry for him anyways, to kind of get used to entertaining people and memorizing some lines and kind of, you know, being a part of a production. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to become the next rock or anything like that, but I mean, if, I know he's, you know, indicated that he wants to, you know, act and, and have some kind of role in, in Hollywood flicks and things of that nature. I don't think there's a better prepping ground for an athlete than being a part of the WWE. No, and uh, that'll lead us perfectly into the segue for our first guest. Very lucky to have him join us again. We had him on last year from CBS Sports. He covers WWE. He covers all, actually all of wrestling. He'll cover boxing, MMA, all combat sports. He is the man known as Brian Campbell joining us again. And Brian, before we get into that, you know, if they win the if they win the Super Bowl, I think we might end up seeing uh, in 2020 in the Royal Rumble maybe Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> Robbie G as his buddy uh, loves to call him. Yeah, man, he's already had his WrestleMania moment, so uh, I'm not sure if he's going to double dip, but I'm open for that any day, any day of the week. Okay, well, it's that season now, Brian, and it's it's Royal Rumble season, and then we're going to transition into WrestleMania season. And, you know, every year in the months from about, you know, middle of September after SummerSlam until, you know, right around the Royal Rumble, there's a big lull in WWE. But, wow, this year it seemed like that lull was even more. There were a couple injuries, a couple unfortunate incidents. We know the sad news with Roman Reigns, and it just seemed like, there was not a lot going on, especially on Monday Night Raw. But I have to say, we were hard on them when they are not giving us a great product. But in the last couple weeks, since they gave us that quote-unquote reset, the shows have been better, and it seems like things are starting to trend back in that good direction come WrestleMania season. 
we always try to act like this is the only year, this is the first year that they're really testing our fandom. But I do believe that the second half of 2018 was one of those worst stretches that we've endured in a long time, where you are asking yourself, why am I wasting my time? Of course you know that the seasons will change, and once WrestleMania season truly begins, whether you believe it begins with the Royal Rumble, on the road to Royal Rumble, or even with Survivor Series, depending on the year, man, it's like night and day. It just feels so much better. Night could have been fairly consistent for the past year, but when Raw kicks it up into what we deserve, then you get fired up. And I think when you look at the Royal Rumble card Sunday, man, look, I'm the first to bash WWE when they deserve it. This card on paper is insanely loaded. And even if it plays, let's say, 75% up to potential, we could be looking at right now the pay-per-view of the year this early because things are perfectly set up for big business Sunday through April 7th in New Jersey. Before we get into the Rumbles, and normally when at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, it's the Royal Rumble that's the selling point. But but this year, it actually might be some of these championship matches that are excellent. We're going to see Finn Balor against Brock Lesnar. We're going to see Daniel Bryan against AJ Styles uh, in the women's matches. We're also going to get to see Becky Lynch going on, uh, against Asuka there. Who's really going to know what's going to happen? And, and even Ronda versus Sasha should be very good. This does seem like a little bit of a different year in that this undercard, quote-unquote, is very stacked instead of just putting everything into the Rumbles. Yeah, I agree with you. There's not a lot of throwaway matches. There's not a lot of why is this on the main card. To have four title matches that you mentioned separate from the two Rumbles and to have us care this much, I think the reason why we do is not just, you know, strong feuds and the way things have been booked and set up, but you mentioned this turnaround. It actually feels like WWE is listening to the audience. I mean, we seemed all set to go with a Brock lesnar Braun Strowman feud that, again, a lot of people are like, well, seen this before, and to get somebody like Finn Balor inserted in, to see somebody like Becky Lynch turn in such an incredible change in her character and go to almost Steve Austin levels and then get the matching push to deserve it so we're not flooding social media going, why don't they see what we see? And then on top of that, to get a Daniel Bryan heel turn, which has just freshened up his character in incredible ways and arguably... Is creating a chapter that may be better than why we fell in love with him in the first place. It's insane. I'm in all my pre-fight or pre-Royal Rumble, let's say, podcast analysis and conversations with friends. I'm not even talking about the Rumble matches one single time. That tells you something huge because, as you know, there's been a lot of years where the entire Royal Rumble pay-per-view is your anticipation for the Royal Rumble match for one match. Now we not only have two of those matches, but we've got a large group of can't miss, can't wait to see fights around that. You know, Brian, this is Mike here. I want to jump in because I'm listening to you and Gino, and Gino knows I'm kind of the rookie here. I don't follow wrestling like you guys do, so I'm just trying to kind of follow along and kind of envision what's going to happen uh, come this big event. So for our listeners who are also rookies like myself, are the, are the women's matches separate than the men's matches? And you guys are talking about undercard. Is it like boxing where you just have one-on-one? Uh, or is it a melee? Or what, when I was a kid and I watched Hulk Hogan and all them and he had the steel cage matches and he had a bunch of guys in there. <laughs> kind of lay, lay, give us the lay of the land on how this all works. Well, it looks like there'll be one uh, pre-show match up to this point during the, uh, essentially the preview kickoff show. And then you get a loaded full card, I guess, similar to when you buy a UFC pay-per-view and you'll get five, you know, in theory, can't miss fights right there. There's a pretty loaded couple-hour uh, 
three, four hour card that, that WWE has set up, and you really have a variety of singles title matches, tag team title matches, and then what we mentioned, the two Royal Rumble matches, which is really uh, the most anticipated single match of the year because of what's at stake. The winner can choose which champion they want to face at WrestleMania, so it really sets that stage. And you mentioned something there, women's matches. There's been many years where women's matches were just throw-ins. Even the last couple of years when WWE seemed to finally understand how to book women in the same style that they booked men, and the women's matches started to really carry some gravitas and excitement with them. Even beyond that, what we've seen the last three, four months from the WWE women, I think is they're operating at a level that we never imagined, whether it's Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Asuka, to the point where when I look at this Royal Rumble card, I'm more excited for the women's singles matches than I are for any other match on that card. I never would have guessed I would say that, and I never would have guessed we're heading into WrestleMania 35 where I not only want this to be the first year that women main event WrestleMania, but from a creative booking, what match do I want to see the most? I need to see women in the main event. So this is a pretty hot time for WWE when, like we mentioned, we're coming up for summer and fall when it was like, can it get any worse? Well, let's get to the uh, predictions for the Rumble matches themselves. I, I mean, to me, when I'm looking at the men's match, there really only look like a few people on paper who have even had some sort of a build to have that opportunity. I think this one looks pretty chalky on paper. I mean, is, is it got to be all day Seth Rollins? I think it really does. And I think a big part of that, of course, is we know Finn, Finn Balor is in a title match. That would be a, a type of victory that can pop the fans. Both AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan are in title matches on this card. I think it's got to be Seth Rollins because setting him up to potentially face Lesnar, whether it's one-on-one and it sort of brings you all the way back to WrestleMania 31 from a storyline standpoint, or if it's some form of multi-man match, look, it's time. It's time for Rollins' career to get back to this level from when we saw him as heel Seth Rollins in 2015 when he was really pushed to the top when I didn't think he was ready and he jumped through the screen and showed you that he was. He's coming full circle now as a babyface. This would be the perfect call because you'd satisfy the... The, the crazy smart fans on the same level that you satisfy the casuals on the same level that you would satisfy the booking where it makes sense and it demands it. The only other caveat in terms of I could see is maybe a Drew McIntyre because of how hot and amazing he's doing. My fear is that in recent years, it seems like the people that either should win the rumble or that you most hope would win the rumble never do. And it ends up more of those. Oh, Randy Orton won it. Oh, Sheamus won it again. Great. I hope considering how hot, certain individuals are, and Seth Rollins is certainly one of them. Let's give the people what they want. Brian, we're coming up on a break. Do you mind if we take one quick uh, minute break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk Women's Rumble with you? Let's do it. Okay, thanks a lot. We'll be right back here where we're talking Royal Rumble with Brian Campbell from CBS Sports. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Very lucky to have Brian Campbell from CBS Sports here with us talking some Royal Rumble 2019. We just hit on some of the undercard championship matches, and then we got the uh, thoughts on the men's match. But as Brian mentioned earlier, it's been the women in the last you know year or so, honestly. And I, I think it, it has some to do with Ronda, but also to do with the fact that this has just been the wave of you know these four horsewomen from NXT with Charlotte, with Sasha, with with Bailey, um, and with. Uh, with obviously Becky and how strong she has been as of late. So in this women's match now, the question is, on paper, again, this looks like it's got to be Charlotte, but could we see something where, you know, there's some kind of a schmoz in the Asuka-Becky match and maybe Becky ends up in this rumble also? Yeah, I think it comes down to Becky or Charlotte because, look, we all know what we're trying to go, and that's a WrestleMania main event involving Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch. It's just too hot right now, this overall feud, the intensity of this feud. Uh, Rousey star power mixed with Charlotte Flair's name, mixed with Becky Lynch, right now is the hottest female wrestler we've ever seen. I'm, I'm not talking about looks, even though she's very beautiful. I'm talking about red-hot character, musty, every time she's on the screen. So however they want to creatively get us there with, let's say, Lynch winning back her championship on Sunday against Asuka and Charlotte winning the Rumble. Or the other way around, or like you mentioned, Lynch somehow forcing her way into the Rumble and winning it. It's exciting because we are fairly confident at what this end product's going to be. And I mentioned that. I only not, not only want to see women made of the WrestleMania, I need it. And it was probably going to happen this year anyway because of Ronda Rousey's star power and because it's time, it's, you know, with all the changes in the advancements in women's wrestling and WWE's really, you know, often patting themselves on the back, sometimes right, mostly rightfully, sometimes forced. This wouldn't have been one that where it was forced. This was a year that we need to see this. I'm more excited than I think I ever could be for this type of situation with the women. My pick is Charlotte. It seemed to make a ton of sense, especially give Charlotte the moment here and build toward giving Becky that moment at Mania because she is so red hot. But I think what we've seen is because Becky is doing 
unprecedented levels of women's wrestling, not, not just in the ring, on the mic, creating these viral moments. I think Charlotte's raised her game in almost an in-house competition level like I've never seen before. So I think you give Charlotte the time here, and you give Becky the send-off at Mania. And what began as a heel turn now feels like they're just going full-on Austin babyface with her, and the fans are eating it up. At B Campbell CBS on Twitter, and make sure to follow the State of Combat podcast, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcast. I'm listening to the wrestling one, which comes out each and every Wednesday. And if you're MMA boxing fans, you get different podcasts all throughout the week. Brian, man, we really appreciate it. Let's hope that it's a, a great show because on paper it looks like it. And we'll have to get you back uh, around for talk mania season. All right, fellas. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Thanks, Brian. Awesome stuff. Brian Campbell there uh, at B Campbell CBS. Love Brian. He's a big wrestling fan. And I love he. The thing I like about Brian, Mike, energy. You can hear when he's talking. He comes in firing. That's what's great about his show when you listen to their podcast. He is rolling all the way through. He's got a great passion, whether it be sometimes positive or negative. He's just passionate. So uh, he'll he'll let you know each and every week if the shows were good, if they were bad, what to watch, what you can skip. And a really great listen. And also, someone like you, we were talking to Brian during the commercial break. You were talking to him a little about boxing. He covers MMA also. So if you're a wrestling fan, boxing fan, MMA fan, he's a great follow. He's one that's always going to be putting out the uh, the hottest news and whatever's going on in uh, in any of those worlds. Yeah, and when I was uh, when we were on break and I was asking him about the coverage on Fox, I, he mentioned that the production value is great. Definitely, I didn't like know the names of the boxers to be honest with you that were that were fighting when I watched it. G, mm-hmm. but the production value was really really good. I don't know how to really explain this. Maybe others feel the same way. I kind of feel like the camera lenses that Fox uses for sports are just crisper, better, and more colorful than like say CBS. I don't know if that makes any sense, but notice it next time when you're okay. watching anything on Fox. It just seems like they're able to extract the colors in a, in a, in a different way. Can't really explain it, but I, but I know that it's the case. I've actually shown people when they've come over, like side by sides, or like I'll flip back and forth. I'm like, which one looks better? They're like this one. Every time it's Fox. And okay. they do a really good job with the boxing is my point. So I'll, I'll, pay, a little more, <laughs> I'll pay a little more attention. It's, yeah. uh, I, I think in, and it's funny because that's going to be where WWE is heading SmackDown at the end of 2019. In October, WWE's Tuesday night show is going to be moving to Friday night on Fox, and it will be on Fox 11 on two uh, for two hours on Friday nights. And Brian was kind of talking about uh, to you a little bit too about how that's it's great because there when you're on Fox, you're able to use uh, football games as sponsorship, you know, uh, you know, to sell some of your ads and to sell Absolutely. your shows. Yep. And next year, I can't wait to hear Joe Buck. You know, when he has to uh, give a promo for this week's WWE championship match. You know, yeah, that'll be pretty cool. It'll be that, really fun. Yeah. Uh, this event's going to be in Phoenix. Is that correct? Yeah, it's going to be at uh, Chase Field at the baseball at the Diamondback Stadium. So it should be pretty uh, kind of a cool look to the to the uh, the event also. So, yeah, it'll be really fun. And it'll be a long pre-show, and as we mentioned, with the Rumble. There'll be two different Rumbles. Last year was actually the first time ever there was a Women's Royal Rumble. And uh, it was awesome. They actually had it main event the show, and it went really, really well. And then Ronda came out afterwards. And it's uh, it's been really cool because, as Brian had mentioned, forever, Mike, in wrestling, it was like the women's matches were really, like, there, were, there weren't big women's rosters. Um, they would come out. They'd get, like, two minutes. Like, most of the late 90s and into the 2000s they would come out and wrestle in a bra and panties match you know yeah. and they would they were just like not even trained most of them 
not all of them. You never want to say all, but most of them weren't even like actually trained wrestlers. They were like a model who would just get a little bit of training. But nowadays you have all of these women who have been wanting to be a wrestler their whole life. They've grown up watching, studying. They know exactly what they're doing. And I mean, they, there are some that are much better. And I mean, they're deserving, as he mentioned, of being in the main event this year. And with Ronda coming in and just adding, you know, it's like what Brock Lesnar does. They add a little bit, a little bit more realism to it. Because you know what Ronda can do. You know what Brock Lesnar can do. And then you put someone in, someone like Charlotte Flair, who's you know Ric Flair's actual daughter, and she has a legacy. And then some of these girls who have just been training and going at it in the, the, what, the WWE minor leagues in the NXT system now for the last couple of years. And it's really cool to see because it's just, it's something that five years ago, you know, 10 years ago really was not there at all. Yeah, that's interesting, and you kind of took me back a little bit. And uh, I, even though you know I'm not a, a regular viewer or anything like that, I definitely see what you're talking about. It seems like, especially on the women's division, they kind of maybe trotted them out there just uh, you know to be eye candy, for yeah, lack of a better that's term. Exactly what it was. No, that's and exactly uh, they've got some really good athletes now. I mean, it's the entertainment value is probably you know equal to the men's side uh, yeah. for a lot of people. You know, get, so uh, that's good stuff. We had some uh, some fun responses to a couple of the polls that I put out for uh, asking who is going to win the men's and women's Royal Rumble. And we got a tweet from our buddy Andrew Champagne, who he likes the uh, Seth Rollins. He no, he likes the John Cena City of Light cold double in the Pegasus. So we'll talk a little bit about the Pegasus, too, with a, a couple of our next guests that come on. Always nice to hear from our buddy Andrew Champagne. He uh, big wrestling fan. And there's a lot of I've noticed good amount of overlap in the wrestling and uh and horse racing world so far michael scatero says he thinks becky should win and styles should win and uh, help balor win and form the real club our buddy ryan k wants peyton royce but he's guessing uh charlotte and becky both at the same time and they do some kind of a tie type thing which uh would make a little bit of sense so a couple of the folks out there who sent in their thoughts the the poll that i put out for the women's royal rumble most people think it's going to be Becky Lynch. She got 39%. Charlotte got 29%. So those were the top two. And let's see. Where's the men's rumble? And then we had the the one for the men's. But, Mike, what's going to be uh, – I know you're not as big of a wrestling fan, but with our three guests that we have coming up, you're going to want to ask a little bit about horse racing because there's a big card this weekend at Gulfstream Park. Yeah, very big card. And but you know, Before I actually get into that with you before our next guest comes on, what do you think of the uh, – you know, we're only about a month – Less than a month from spring training, but what do you think of the big AG Pollock? Oh signing? yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, we good. Uh, I think it was a good acquisition for the Dodgers in particular because um, really the main knock on AJ Pollock is that he's injury injury prone. Yeah, but the Dodgers are a team that has a lot of depth. So if he's a guy that you know is is only, they're only wanting to play maybe a hundred and twenty or thirty games anyways, with the way that they set up their lineup, I think it's a great spot. Uh, it's kind I of interesting because they 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 got you know they traded Puig and and Kemp so they traded outfielders and everybody's thinking well maybe this is making room for Harper or Machado but then they get another outfielder that's neither of those two yeah it was I'm almost thinking that maybe the Dodgers are better off not going after either of those guys I don't and think going they are for the catcher from they, the Florida Marlins or Miami like Marlins that. or whatever they're called now is JT Realmo yeah that's who I want. I, I think that would be the best move. Real Muto, and then maybe one more starting pitcher. That's I what, I, that's what I like. 
and I don't want I don't want to worry about the long term deals with either of those guys. I don't we I know that the Dodgers don't really want Machado. They just don't. They would have they we we saw him. We had him in for a rental and he just no thank you, you know? And yeah. uh, and Harper it's just I think it's too long. If they I they said today that this is one of the most expensive per year contract deal that Friedman's ever given. He they just don't pay the players like they don't play pay players as much. This this ownership group doesn't do it. They don't sign pl- like players to long term contracts. They don't sign them to huge deals. They just don't. And, and so and you know what? Whether or not the Dodgers get upset if you don't have a big star, this is a team that's been to back to back World Series. So and and again, looking at the the way everything's set up, they're going to be one of the favorites again in the National League. So it's really hard to complain. Yeah, and one more point before we bring Brian on is that if they did go after Real Muto, they'd have control uh, for two years. Uh, so you'd have a bargain basement type deal excellent for another couple defensive. of years for the top, probably top catcher in NL right yeah. now. Oh yeah. Excellent defensive, good offense. You add Pollock and Real Muto to that Dodger lineup and then one other, you know, starting pitcher. I think you're in really good shape again to, you know, to have another, you know, NL West win, you know, title and, and get right back into a deep playoff run. So yeah, good, good. Uh, glad you brought that up. Cause that was a uh, big news for the Dodgers today. Uh, with that acquisition but we bring in next up brian monzo there's a lot of crossover in the old uh horse racing and wrestling world brian is a producer for mike's on mike francesa and brian does a great job but when i talk to brian most of the time we're talking about horse racing or wwe so this is going to be a great weekend for us brian we got the pegasus on saturday and then we got the rumble on Sunday. Don't forget about that NXT show on Saturday night. Those shows are always great. Thanks for joining us, buddy. What's up, Brian? Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Hey, did I, did I read it correctly? You guys had the Cali on? Yeah, D- oh, Darren's going to come on right after you. We just had uh, Brian Campbell oh, from CBS. Hold on a second. He's, he's, getting, he's getting main evented over me. I'm devastated. Uh, <laughs> actually, in that sense, Nick Hines, the Sarge, is going to be uh, the closer, Mariano Rivera. So he'll be closing things down. Uh, Darren's actually got the cool-down match after you. You're, you're, the, you're the hot I'm opener good. of the three. Then you know how they got to put that cool-down match after the really hot match. That the popcorn match for everyone to go to the bathroom? Right. The Zack Ryder ate an English match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, we appreciate you coming on with us. Let's let's just stay Saturday, I guess, before we get to Sunday. You, uh, with the Pegasus World Cup on uh, on Saturday, do you have any thoughts in uh, in any of those races or in the big race? I do. Um, I like in the turf. I'm, I'm leaning towards bricks and mortar. Now we're a few days away. Um I don't know right now the, the conditions of what they're looking at Saturday. I'm obviously handicapping like most people do on fast and firm. Sure. Um, but I, I like I like his return uh, race off that almost year layoff. Uh, I think he's going to be pushed. I think that's, I think that's a track that's built for him with that short turn for home on the grass. Uh, I actually have a better bet for you. The WL night, uh, the mile and a half before that, Canazal. Five to one with Castellano. I mean, I would put my mortgage on that house, uh, on that on that horse. Um, I just think he's far dominant in that in that field, even though he's coming off a huge layup. But in the Pegasus itself, you know, I'm surprised how many people have just decimated, at least on social media, Audible off his last. Um, I think he had some excuses. I think the rail was pretty golden. Um, and I think, you know, obviously he was very wide and, and, you know, he might just not have had it in the slot that day. Uh, I'm going to give Audible a look at 10 to 1, who really hadn't done anything wrong before that. 
And even his derby race, finishing third behind, obviously justified, you know, turning into one of the greats and good magic. I thought was deceivingly good. Um, and what he did before that was, was awesome. So uh, I think it, it's just a 10 to 1. Flavian Pratt, who I think is one of the most underrated jockeys in the country. Um, to me, I, I'm giving him a big look. I, I'm just hoping I'm the only one because I could see him going off at 7 to 2 and me thinking, well, I guess I'm not that smart. Uh, so that's what I'm looking at in that race. Awesome stuff, Brian. Let's jump into the uh, the WWE. We have a great undercard this year. Some awesome matches, man, with Daniel Bryan, AJ, Balor, Brock should be good. The women's matches, Sasha and Ronda should be excellent. Becky, Oscar, and then the two Rumbles. So, uh, really, really good stuff. My guy Miz has some fun uh, things going on with Shane right now. Let's uh, let's mainly talk about the Rumbles, though. So let's start with the with the men first. What are your overall thoughts? Maybe like who do you think and who would you who would you like or maybe a long shot? I'm not one of those people who goes on and reads wrestling odds. So any of which I talk about here, I have no idea. I don't read dirt sheets, I don't do any of that stuff, so it's all opinion. Um, I think the way they're setting it up is I see Seth Rollins going over. I thought for a second John Cena was going to be the winner because I saw a perfect story of John Cena going after Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania for a 17th title and all the implications that storyline would have. Um, but with the injury, which is not really an injury because he's filming a movie, I think it sets up for Seth Rollins who's been teasing going back and main eventing WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar, who I, I think you'll get the fake out in which you'll have that glimmer of hope that Finn Balor could win and then get F5 out of nowhere for Brock uh, retaining the title. But if I, if I had to bet, and I'm not going to, but if I had to, I think Seth Rollins is going to burn it down Sunday night winning the Men's Royal Rumble. And we get on over to the Women's Royal Rumble. And, man, the women with, uh, with Becky, with Ronda, with Charlotte, they have been really, really good the last few months. Uh, how do you see the, the Women's Royal Rumble and kind of that championship picture playing out? I think I think Becky's going to win the Royal Rumble, even though she's not being advertised for it. Because I see Asuka going over her in some capacity. You know, Asuka even using heel tactics. Maybe Ronda gets involved with that match in some in, in some way. Um, but I, I think Asuka retains, and that Becky's going to be the one of the surprise entries. She won't be thirty because you know Carmelo's the thirtieth entrance. But uh, I think what would be really awesome is say Becky loses that match to Asuka. They announced the Women's Royal Rumble entry number one, and it's Becky, and she runs the gauntlet 1-30 to 30 and wins the Rumble. I think that would be tremendous for the man to win the Royal Rumble that way. After like a, a beat down and a DQ, like you said, Asuka with the heel tactics after the match, Becky doesn't even have to really get pinned in that match, and then she can get her shot. I, I like that booking there. Brian Monzo, let's have a fun Saturday. Let's make some money. Best of luck with Audible and some of your other plays. We appreciate that. And Brian, let us know where can we follow you online and uh, and what's going on with uh, with Mike's on and everything there. Oh yeah, well we got the Mike's on app where we got video of the show and I actually debut my uh, wrestling video tomorrow on the app. So get involved with that Mike's on app, Mike's on dot com, um, and I'm at B Monzo Radio on Twitter. And as you said, I'm constantly tweeting out wrestling, horse racing, uh, sarcastic comments that people get annoyed about. But <laughs> just told by having fun, and uh, that's what makes Twitter fun, and putting out predictions and then having freezing cold takes burn you right after. 
Nice. Well, let's hope this weekend those uh, those hit are burning them down. Those picks and Seth Rollins will be burning them down on Saturday and Sunday. Thanks a lot, Brian. Talk and, to you soon, and, buddy. And Sanazar with Castellano. I'm betting the mortgage on it, like you said. There we go. Oh, well, well, get some insurance, too. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, will do. Brian. Thanks, Brian. Guys, thanks for having me. Best luck with the show. Take care. Good stuff, Brian Monzo. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we will close things out with Darren Zocali and the Sarge, Nick Hines. Oorah! Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. So now that we're done with the the pre-show match, that was Brian Monzo. We can get on to the main card and the main event. With Darren Zocali. Darren, uh, Brian was giving us some uh, some crap earlier. He said, uh, Darren's the main event, and uh, I'm, I'm opening up for him. But uh, we, we gave him a laugh there. And uh, it was uh, most of you listening know Darren from his time on TVG. That's where I got to know Darren. I would have the, uh, the lucky opportunity to interact with Darren and talk Meadowlands racing or talk about racing all the time. And then we started talking some wrestling. And um, now you can follow Darren on Twitter at the track seven and you'll get a lot of great handicapping information he'll play he'll talk about the wagers that he's playing on big days and then you'll get some wrestling stuff in there too darren thanks for joining us buddy what's up darren you know i, I still think the greatest moment in tvg history was 
uh, when you in, when you interviewed the Miz. It was like <laughs> it, was, it was probably Thank the you. most golden thing I've ever seen on TV <laughs> in my life. It was so relevant <laughs> to everything, but you know what? He was talking about Thistle Down, and he remembered going to the track for yep. a little while, and we were talking about Miz and Mass, the sire. So we uh we had some fun. That was one of my uh, one of my best moments. So Darren, as uh, we said with Brian, good big weekend for. For those of us who have the old uh, horse racing wrestling fandom crossover, we had a big day Saturday with an awesome card at Gulfstream and then a good show Saturday night for NXT and then a really loaded Royal Rumble card on Sunday. Let's just go kind of in uh, in chronological order. Actually, Gino, I want to yeah. I want to <laughs> quickly mention something, uh, which is uh, I know that you were really happy about the 100 percent for Mariano Rivera's Hall of Fame induction. Congrats on that. I know you're uh, back east. We're out here in California, but. First time ever for 100. Yeah, I was pretty pumped about that. I mean, I'm a big Yankee fan. I know my dad got a kick out of it. For some reason, you got people on Twitter that, that keep coming up with that. You know, if Babe Ruth didn't get 100%, nobody <laughs> should. But, I, I mean, I, are we really going to, like, say, well, because, you know, some writers in 1936 were, you know, ignorant or irrational, that that justifies a, a writer being irrational in 2019? It just doesn't make any sense. The guy is the the greatest ever at his position in a major sport, and that means he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, any argument against is just completely futile. So, totally uh, I'm agree glad, with you. Uh, yeah, I'm glad about it. I mean, he's, he's the nicest guy in the world also on top of it. And, you know, I'm sure Jeter's going to probably get close next year, but uh, I don't know. With his, with his run with the Marlins, I could see one or two riders might hold that <laughs> against him and maybe hold the vote. <laughs> Oh yeah, Mo in the Hall of Fame. So that very very cool. Um, so let's make a let's make a few bucks on uh, on Saturday. Is there any uh, strong opinion you have in any of the races? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just look at the big two because that's where everybody's looking at. I mean, in the in the, in the World Cup, uh, I think City of Light has a shot. Uh, I, yeah, no stretching out to a mile and eighth is probably his limit. But Gulfstream is a speedy track, and and milers can sometimes get that extra eighth of a mile there. It just doesn't seem to be the same as having to go, you know, the extra eighth of a mile at Saratoga or Churchill. And I think the way that track surface plays, it might carry him a little bit further. You know, I'm kind of hoping that maybe Accelerate is a little bit over the top. That classic might have taken a lot out of him. It was a very hard-fought race. And, you know, I know it's a swan song, and I'm sure Sadler's going to have the screws all the way tightened. But I, I think it's a coin flip between the two, and City of Light uh, will offer the better price. Um, I actually picked Donavera to win the classic. He was like... Yeah, we really needed him that, that yeah. Needed him big that day, but uh, I, I, his running style. I know he's got a good record at Gulfstream, but you know this race just kind of scares me for him. I mean, he needed every inch of ground to get where he got at Churchill, and the stretch is about 240 feet longer. Gulfstream is literally the shortest stretch of any major thoroughbred track in in North America. So you know, for him, I think he's going to you know have have his work cut out for him to kind of crack that top two. I'm sure he'll probably be third or fourth or something like that, but. You know, I'll take City of Light. I think Channel Maker has a shot in the turf race. I know he completely flopped in the Breeders' Cup, but you know we've seen that happen many times. Horses come back out of there. Their next start, they run. They run a big one. He's got tactical speed. He really was in great form going into the Breeders' Cup. I'm going to just cut, draw a line through that race and maybe see if he can round back to his best form because it's going to be a square price in what I think is a wide open race. Then we transition as a. I guess very few would from the Pegasus into the Royal Rumble <laughs> on Sunday, and uh, let's start yeah. with the uh, with the men's Rumble match. There, uh, I to me, I just it doesn't seem like a year where they've built that many different opportunities. I'd love to see you know uh, Samoa Joe or someone kind of out of nowhere, but I I mean, is it got to be anyone other than Rollins? 
you know, there's one thing that keeps sticking in the back of my head, and maybe I'm reading way too much into it. What did they take the Intercontinental title off Ambrose for and put it on another heel? Well, wasn't yeah. that a strange move to, to take it off him in a random... Yeah, out of nowhere, just to take him off, take the belt off him in a random, you know, triple threat and put it on another heel for absolutely no reason. So I, I'm not saying that that means that Ambrose is going to win, but I, there has to be some reason that they did that and some thought that they're planning down the line. And maybe they're going to try to, like, reignite the whole Rollins-Ambrose thing, you know, going into WrestleMania because it kind of ended in, in lackluster fashion. And, and I could almost see something where... You know, Ambrose costs Rollins the Rumble. You know, Drew McIntyre ends up winning, and you get some kind of melee at the, at the end with Rollins and Ambrose, but it won't be for the Intercontinental title because they're both above that now. So they, they took the Intercontinental title off Ambrose, so that's not involved. And, and maybe the two of them go through some kind of stipulation crazy match uh, at, the, uh, at WrestleMania or something to that effect. So. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Drew McIntyre wins, especially after seeing Rollins go over him on Monday night. I, I don't know how much they want to bury him. I know they want to keep him strong. And I know that Vince is still infatuated with those big guys in center stage at WrestleMania, and McIntyre and Lesnar would certainly fit the mold. So I, I think there's a chance that McIntyre might actually win. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but just a thought that I had. D-Mac and then over in the women's match, uh... This one we haven't we don't know what's going to happen really in that title match yet which might leave us you know a little kind of hanging in the dry on the women's match because if Becky wins that match she's not in the rumble if she loses maybe she is in the rumble um who are a couple in here that are going to be uh that are going to be hanging around at the end Yeah I heard Monzo's uh, thoughts I mean I I'm pretty much in agreement with him and I know it's a sexy topic on online that that's what's going to happen I think Becky's going to get screwed I think you might get a heel turn out of Oscar and Becky's going to completely go nuts and jump somebody backstage and take somebody's spot or, you know, just enter herself in because they have, you know, they're going to keep a spot open for her. And, you know, she's going to be on camera and say, I'm coming in in number two or something crazy like that. You know, I think they're going to really light the fire under her and build her up because they'd be, they'd be crazy not to do Becky and Ronda at WrestleMania at this point. It's what everybody wants to see. Um, and I, you're probably going to end up with Charlotte and Becky as the last two. I really don't have anything super creative the only the only one thought that i had was i think you might get a really big run out of Shayna baszler uh, i don't know if she's going to win but i wouldn't be surprised if they really you know get something onto her and, and get her to like you know the final four to kind of you know groom her for a spot up at the main roster in the not too distant future follow him online at the track seven we'll be talking all about Gulfstream this weekend on saturday and wwe on sunday darren thanks a lot buddy we'll talk soon Good to talk to you guys, man. Enjoy the Rumble. Enjoy the Texas. Thanks, Darren. Awesome stuff. We uh, only have about you know maybe six or seven minutes left in the show. Let's bring in our final guest for his thoughts on some Pegasus and some WWE Royal Rumble. My good friend, former colleague from TVG, Ura. It is Nick Hines, the Sarge. How's it going, Sarge? Sarge. Okay. I like the fact you guys kept me for last. I hope the Vanessa Williams is on the right track there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Sarge, uh, fun weekend for us. Uh, we got a big, big Saturday card at Gulfstream. Tons of good races and tons of star uh, stars in the horse racing world. And then on Sunday, uh -huh. the Royal Rumble. So let's start on Saturday. Any thoughts in uh, in any of those big races? Well, I, you know, I tweeted out today. Um, I, I think as far as just the the overall 
dynamic of, of the race. You know, on a day like Saturday, the anticipation is the track will be probably fast and firm and probably hard and fast and speed conducive. But for me, I have loved what I've seen from Gunavera throughout the week in training as far as the, the videos they ever look at. Uh, I, I mean, I've watched this horse over the last couple of years and, of course, had some good campaigns, but this is probably the best that I've seen him look physically, um, and I got a very favorable impression from his gallop today. And I, I personally think the City of Light's going to take a lot of money, and, and the smart guys that think that based on his zero ragazin number, and, and mind you, it was a one-turn mile at Churchill, that that he's a borderline layup because those out there still feel as they accelerate as maybe not quite a super horse. I mean, obviously they're considered that. I think there'll be more consideration when we get the Eclipse Award tonight. But at the end of the day, I think the City of Light's going to burn a lot of money. And I think Gunnavero, who's a horse for course, I think he just, you're going to see a horse that's going to run the race of his life on Saturday. And I think he's going to be the right price. That is Saturday in the big one, the Pegasus World Cup. We have about four minutes left, so we'll transition into the Rumble on Sunday, Sarge. Two Rumbles now. Last year, we had the first ever Women's Rumble. And man, over the last year, the women, they have just been knocking it out of the park, Sarge, uh, with Rhonda, with Becky, with Charlotte, with uh, Sasha. I mean, we we get some incredible matchups and uh, the character build. It, it's just been really, really good. Looking forward to the Rumble this year. How do you think things are going to set up in the Women's Rumble? Well, I'm surprised that you and uh, Mike Abadir aren't, aren't taking a, a road trip caravan over to Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, it's, it's, it's just I a, know. a hot skip on the jump. <laughs> Jump in the Diamondbacks pool over there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think in looking at, uh, you know, it overall, you know, Darren brought up a good point about the Ambrose and Rollins uh, mix-up, but I think it's Drew McIntyre, you know, for the Rumble itself. You know, I, I would much like to see a, a grand upset, you know, a Samoa Joe kind of step up. But I think right now, I, I think there's a, there's an element that, that's missing, and it really comes down to the wow factor. So, an upset like a Samoa Joe would be awesome, but just my opinion, because I think it's a safer play, is Drew McIntyre. And then in the women's round rumble, you know, I think Charlotte is, is the obvious standout. But but the one that I find intriguing is Ember Moon. I think she's, yeah. if I were to gamble a women's round rumble, I'd probably be willing to place a small wager there. And, you know, when I see, you know, Finn Balor, at some point, when is he going to get we talked about this last year. When is he going to get his due? That, that's that's the thing for me at the end of the day. And it may be this Saturday. I mean, obviously, WrestleMania, all the systems ahead. You know, Ronda Rousey's, you know, putting it out there that this is going to be her last run. And, you know, honestly, I'm not a fan. I think that the others deserve it more than she does. But that's just my two cents. Nick Hines, the Sarge. You can follow him at Hindsight on Twitter. You can find him on TVG. Great follow for everything that is horse racing. Good friend of mine, Sarge. Always appreciate talking with you. We uh, we had fun with you in the Mike Abadir show, Fantasy League, and hopefully next year you won't get as screwed in that first round with the uh, with the Le'Veon Bell. So <laughs> you did it. You yeah, did a great always, job. You're always sticking. You're always sticking it to the man, Gino. You're always sticking oh. it to the man. <laughs> oh, I, Sarge. Uh, we love you, man. I will. I will tell you this in the turf. In the turf, the Pegasus turf. I think the Japanese horse. If you can get eight to one, you should take it to. I think that uh, she is going to make it real difficult on this field. I think it's a 
If you were on handicapping, I think that many would have to agree it's a little thin for a high purse, but uh, legitimate. I think she's legit. Awesome, Sarge. Thank you very much. Nick Hines, this was a great show today, Mike. We got in so much. We even had a little baseball talk along with the football and the wrestling and the horse racing. One of my favorite shows always. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody listening. Have a great sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.